0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide episode 347. Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening once again. Thanks for downloading. Really great to have your company with us. Welcome to to our first time listeners. We're glad to have you aboard as well. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. This week, why the Telstra smart modem isn't so smart. Do you have a strong password on all your accounts and why Lego sales have suddenly spiked? In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the D-Link Omna Indoor Outdoor Surveillance Kit. We'll take a look at the Rode PodMic and we'll also run our eye over the latest Kindle and we'll wrap things up as we always do with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. (laughs) We're kicking off with an interesting story that we actually learned uh, all about this, the Telstra Smart Modem and how smart it allegedly is through the help of a reader. We've been helping uh, this regular and very loyal reader through their dramas with their Telstra service. They've had no service. Uh, they've had intermittent, slow service, and we've been in touch with them for weeks on end, and we decided to get involved. We thought, right, we're going to try to escalate the issue on their behalf. It's It was a case of not being able to use their to, to the internet being down. They couldn't watch Netflix. They couldn't watch their Foxtel account. They couldn't want to do anything, listen to their digital radio or their, their internet radio. So uh, we decided to get involved, and Telstra, to their credit, responded. They said, well, I think maybe the solution solution for this customer would be to send them the Telstra Smart Modem Gen 2. So second generation Smart Modem, tall, white, uh, nice looking little device there. And the reason it's called the Smart Modem is it's got an embedded 4G SIM card. So in the event of an outage, the SIM card kicks in and you are suddenly connected to the internet again. So hence the reason why it's the smart modem. So we thought, well, this has to be the solution to to the issue. And uh, that all was organised, and we uh, then heard back from our reader to say that the dramas were continuing, no, business as usual, no internet uh, and uh, nothing nothing happening, the, many frustrated calls to the call centre, and I don't know whether you've ever rung the Telstra helpline and the woman gets on and says, describe in a few words what seems to be the problem, and well, this is a robot, so... You, you, you try to describe and they say, sorry, we didn't get that. And by the time you're getting around to it, you just feel like throwing the phone through the wall. Uh, so this was a con- continual frustration for our reader. Uh, we also then, I, I thought, well, this is, this is a little bit weird why the smart modem wouldn't solve the issue. Uh, you know, Telstra market this product as being the saviour if you if you have an outage because they, they do, and, and with good reason, they've got a very good 4G network. They say that the 4G network can then be used instead of your regular uh, internet connection, which in this case was a HFC connection, so cable connection. And this cable connection too, by the way, was for this reader the way they got their Foxtel as well. So doubly doubly frustrating because not only can't you use Netflix and the internet, but also can't watch Foxtel either because the cable's stuffed. So we decided, so look, this is really weird why this isn't working. So why don't we try something? Now, for those of you listening around uh, in other parts of Sydney, uh, other parts of Australia I should say, this is a Sydney-based reader and just to explain whereabouts in Sydney it is, it's in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, so near the beaches, the beach area. For those of you living in Melbourne and other other parts of Australia, uh, I understand that Sydney is where I live, so this is where this happens to be. Uh, it was in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and I said to him, I said, look, try something Download. Get get onto your Wi-Fi. So connect to your Wi-Fi on your phone, and do try a speed test. So get connect to the home Wi-Fi. Download the speed test app, and run a speed test. And that's when we discovered the source of his problems. Why he was having issues. He performed the speed test, and the result came back that his download speed was zero point two megabits per second with an upload speed of 0.22 megabits per second. So 0.2, which you can barely call up a website, forget streaming video, forget audio, forget virtually everything. You've virtually got no internet. It's unusable connection. So we got, I checked through a contact of mine at Telstra, I said, why doesn't the smart modem kick in? Why hasn't, why is this going on? The response was there has to be a total outage for the smart modem to start working, for the 4G SIM card to suddenly kick in. So I said, You've got to tell me, you mean to tell me that if it's 0.2 megabits per second, that the smart modem doesn't know, doesn't think to, you know what, let's kick in with the SIM card because that'll give you a better result. And the one word answer I got was correct. You have to have zero point zero megabits per second for the smart modem to kick in. Now, I've had a lot of people. I wrote this on Tech Guide. I've had a lot of readers saying, "Well, what would tell them to disconnect the modem and do this and do that?" Well, if you disconnects the modem, um, then that that the modem is actually connected to the smart modem. So the the connection hits the hits the modem first, and then comes to the smart modem, and that may then tell the smart modem that there's no internet, and that's an idea. I haven't suggested he try it, but why should he have to try that? This is a smart modem, and my this reader is is in his 70s, so it's very hard. Like He shouldn't have to be that tech-savvy to for this to work. It's called a smart modem for a reason. It should just work. It's like why it's asking someone, Walt, yeah, sure, your car's not running. Get under the hood. It should be easy to fix it. Just poke around and try it. That's not what you do. In this case, that's not what you do either. The smart modem should have been smart enough to think, well, 0.2 megabits per second, just don't cut it. So you'd think, being a smart modem, that it would maybe have a little threshold of maybe two megabits per second or one megabit per second to say, you know what, that's too low. We're gonna get we're gonna kick the 4G SIM card in. So my suggestion, I wrote this blog on on, on Tech Guide. There's two suggestions I've got for Telstra right here. Number one, remove the word smart from the smart modem name because I think that's bordering on false advertising. It's not very smart. And number two, create the threshold. Tell the modem if the the connection falls under two megabits per second or even one megabit per second, start to use the 4G SIM card instead. Take over the connection so it 's just frustrating, and look i 've had a lot of response to that story everyone 's got a Telstra horror story. a lot of people have not everyone a lot of people have got a Telstra horror story, and my story my responses on tech Guide, the story had a lot of comments on it uh, where people were complaining about their issues as well. Uh, this is just the latest in a, in a series of issues and you want to hear the fun the, the punchline you want to hear how this was resolved when he and and through my involvement. Telstra contacted this person personally, they called. What they had to do was a couple of keystrokes at their end and it fixed the problem. So after all that time ringing the Philippines, talking to someone in the Philippines who had no idea what, how to help, this issue was resolved because some bloke from Melbourne decided to pick up the phone and think, oh, hang on a minute, let me have a look. Oh, yeah, here we go. It should be working now. That, that was how this was resolved, after having a smart motor that wasn't very smart and then waiting for someone to actually call to check his account, which, which on the five or six other calls in the last two months that he's been experiencing these issues, it, no one thought to do that which I think is pretty poor. I don't know about you. That's pretty poor. And they, they keep sending a monthly bill, though. They send their monthly bill and expect to be paid. But this, this kind of thing's happening. Very, very frustrating. If you want to read about that story, you can see the picture of that uh, allegedly smart modem and also a screenshot of that speed test. I got him to screenshot it and send it to me. There it is right there for all to see. 0.2 megabits per second and the smart modem wasn't smart enough to take over. If you want to read about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Did you know last week, one day last week, I think it was the Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday was, was World password days. May the 2nd was World Password Day. Did you know that? So I thought, what better time to talk about passwords? And I'm continually alarmed when I hear about what the world's worst passwords are. People actually use these passwords. People actually use the word password as their password. I'm not joking. Or, one, two, three, four, five, six. Or, Zero, 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 zero. Am I describing you? Please, please say no. Am I describing what you do with your passwords? Because if I am, I'm I'm sorry, but you are painting a target on yourself. And it's not a case of, oh, I hope my my accounts don't get hacked. It's a case of when they're going to get hacked because those passwords are pretty poor and the other the other issue we have with passwords and we'll talk about managing managing them later the other issue with passwords is that we've got so many bloody accounts that we often repeat them in fact a lot of people use the same password across all their accounts please tell me that that is not what you are doing that is also alarming uh it's a generic an easily crackable password is just a recipe for disaster. Uh, others are QWERTY, so the first five, five, the first six keys on the keyboard, QWERTY. Um, the other is six one, so one 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 one. So you're getting the message here, you need a very strong password. In fact, there is a link on my story on tech guide where there is a link to a to a site. So you can see if your password or passwords have been compromised in a breach. So what you do is enter an email and it'll say, yes, this, this email for this account and this password has been breached. So check that link out. It's on my story on Tech Guide. But being World Password Day, let's share some tips, which was uh, sent to us by McAfee's Chief Consumer Security Evangelist, Gary Davis, uh, which uh, he decided, you know what? Let's give people some tips on how to create better passwords. Number one is do not use common passwords. So simple personal details like just the name of your child and a birthday, uh, that's easy to work out. I know not everyone knows your child and knows where you live and all that sort of stuff, but someone could easily friend you on Facebook or follow you on Twitter or do something. It's It's not hard to crack a password if it's very simple. And using password or qwerty or five zeros is is really really asking for trouble so the the best the better the password, the longer the password the better so here's how you do it to you can what they call layer up your password so contain Get your password to contain a variety of capital letters, lowercase letters, numbers, symbols. I find a really good way to remember, if you even think of a simple word and number combination, my tip is to include capital letters, but also maybe substitute some of the letters for a symbol. For example, if there's an S in the word, maybe substitute that for a dollar sign or if there's an A in it, maybe have an at symbol instead of an A. So you you can easily, while the password's not complicated, you can still have it pretty strong because not many people are going to think, well, did he use a dollar sign here? Did he use an at symbol? Did he use an exclamation mark? Did he use a few numbers? Is it capital? Is it lowercase? So you see what I'm saying? The more of those little bits of trickery you put in there, that strengthens your password. And also, choose unique passwords. In other words, have a different password across all your accounts because you think of it this way. Say someone cracks your account. Say someone has got your, works out your Facebook account. Then the next thing they're going to try is your Twitter account, your bank account, your email account because they're hoping that like a lot of other people that you're really lazy and haven't created all these unique passwords across the board. So then once one account falls they've all fallen. So another recipe for disaster there if you want to use the same one. And again, a hacker discovers one password, all your personal info is suddenly at risk. The other tip here, and this is a must, is to use two-factor authentication. What that means is there's an added layer of security for your password and your accounts. For example, Whenever I log into Facebook on a new device or if I've logged out, I've got to log back in again, or if I'm using Twitter or if I'm logging into Google Mail, I enter my my account name, which is my email address. I enter my password. Then the next response is, we've sent you a six-digit code to your mobile device. Type this in here. That's the second factor authentication. So even if someone knows your password, They'll, they'll also need to have your mobile phone in their hand to receive the SMS with that passcode. So that could be a lifesaver for all your accounts. Again, really reduces, totally eliminates actually any hacking because unless they've got your phone and know your password, they're going to get in your account. But what are the chances of that? So that's that's a real good tip there as well. Now, remember earlier I said we're going to talk about managing your passwords. And this, this is having, remembering... Passwords for all your online accounts. You think of how many accounts you've got. You've probably got one for Dropbox, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, uh, or Evernote. All these, all these accounts you got, you have email, bank, all so many. I think there's like, I've probably got like forty accounts that I've got to remember. It's very difficult to have a unique password for everyone. You need to be a robot to be able to remember forty different passwords for each different account. But there is a way you can do it, and that's with a password manager. The one that we spoke about, uh, we wrote about on Tech Guide, was one called Last Pass, which is a password manager that not only can manage your existing passwords, but also create even stronger passwords. So if you log into Facebook, it might suggest a, a 24-digit, 24-character numbers, letters, password that you don't even have to know. It'll do it for you. And know that whenever you log into Facebook, here's the password for that. So any other account you've got as well, all you need to remember is your master password. So rather than remembering 40 passwords, all you've got to do is remember one. And this can not only create those really complex passwords, but also manage it, identify passwords that are risky. Maybe your existing passwords, say saying, you know what, it's a little bit weak. It'll update them uh, and also not reuse them. It can also then change them for you periodically. There it is a good habit. Very hard, not many people do this, but to change your password every three or six months. Anyone who's worked for a company that has a, you've got a login for your computer and everything, you'll probably get a notification from your IT department to say, oh, it's been three months since you changed your password. We'll need you to change your password. So any of you who work in a corporate environment or that with security will, will recognise that. This password manager can also do that for you as well. And all you've got to remember is that one master password. Really important passwords. There's passwords to everything. Think of a password as the strength of the lock on the door. So the better, better password you've got, the stronger the lock on your door, and also throw in that two-factor authentication. That's like having a latch as well as a lock as well. It's like having two locks on your door. Have that two-factor authentication, and also have take a look at that password manager, LastPass. If you want to read more about that story, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Well, who's been watching Lego Masters? I know I have. This is this new hit show on Channel Nine, hosted by Hamish. Uh, he a, a great host, a very funny guy. But the star of the show is Lego. Can you believe it? Lego is a show about building things, challenges with Lego. And I remember I tweeted the the, the first five minutes of the show. I remember tweeting that this feels like an just an, an extended ad for Lego. And it was right because I felt like buying Lego and the viewers have also done the same. It's had that exact effect on viewers because sales of Lego are now skyrocketing. So since the launch of Lego Masters only a couple of weeks ago, spending of on Lego, so spending money on Lego has increased by eighty nine percent on eBay. And sales are expected to hit 22.7 million in 2019. So, how's that? The, the most popular sets are the Lego Space sets. They've increased by 101%. Uh, Lego City sets have also spiked by 68%. But also, just the general Lego bricks, so you know, get those bucket of bricks with all the various uh, pieces inside. They've also jumped up by 62% because Aussies are liking the, the, the what happens on the show is that sort of freestyle building, and that's what people are jumping in on as well. Uh, so very popular since this show. Uh, the the Lego masters. And I've got to say it is it is good viewing because they're so creative. Like, what, that's what really impressed me. These guys are absolute genius in, in how creative they are. So I think the criteria of the, the challenges is you have to show technical skills, so use the, 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 the bricks in a certain way, be very imaginative how you use it, uh, but also tell a story as well, and you've got to have good colour color combinations and all that kind of stuff. So it is really challenging. Uh, this also happens to be, it's the 20th anniversary of the Lego Star Wars as well, and uh, they celebrated that pretty heavily uh, over the weekend, thanks to it being Star Wars Day on Saturday, which was may the fourth may the fourth be with you, but Lego sets are very popular, and on eBay, an average set sells for about fifty bucks. but there are some amazing collectors and collectors and rare editions that have also been sold on eBay, including the Lego Star Wars Millennium Falcon, the first edition uh, that 's sold for nine thousand five hundred dollars. The Lego Star Wars figurine of C-3PO in 14-karat in gold sold for $8,507. The uh, Lego Harry Potter Fantastic Beats, Beasts minifigure, which is very rare, sold for $8,000 as well. The, also, the Lego version of the Capitol building of the U.S. Congress, 73 inches tall it is, that sold for 7841 bucks as well but uh spending has increased across the board the the brics as i mentioned 62% uh the Lego sets, just in general, as I mentioned, eighty nine percent spike since the Lego Master Show started. It is, uh, it started on the twenty eighth of April, uh, and uh, on a Sunday, and it's been going gangbusters ever since. More than four hundred thousand Lego sets have been purchased in the last twelve months on eBay, and uh, that is going to the figure to uh, the spending amount is going to hit twenty two point seven million in twenty nineteen. Just on Lego, can you believe it? Now, who are they? hungriest Lego buyers, Victorians are. They made up 33% of all spending was from Victorians. Uh, Melburnians also bought the most, 72,000 Lego items purchased in the last 12 months. So pretty good. The top five postcodes were Melbourne CBD, Werribee uh, and Glen Waverley. So the top three were Victorians. The fourth uh, was Toowoomba in Queensland and number five was Gosford on the uh, New South Wales Central Coast. So Lego, we're into it. Uh, If you want to read more about that story, you know what, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And one of the questions I get asked most often is how do I make my Wi-Fi better? And the answer to that is with the Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi system. And they've issued the challenge. They've issued the Orbi Home Wi-Fi Challenge. So if you... Buy an Orbi home Wi-Fi system and it doesn't improve your home Wi-Fi, you'll get your money back. What is there to lose? The Orbi's uh, ideal for today's modern household. It's got tri-band Wi-Fi that lets you stream your favourite movies in 4K and play online games by providing ultra-fast Wi-Fi no matter how many devices are connected. You can even add on satellites to give you additional coverage inside and out. Orbi plugs into your existing modem and is really easy to set up with just a couple of clicks. And not only does it work great, it looks great too and blends into your home's decor. Orbi's the fastest, easiest and most expansive and advanced 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 Mesh Wi-Fi Network, available today. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, kicking off the reviews this week is the D-Link Omna Indoor-Outdoor Wire-Free Surveillance Kit. Uh, that was a bit of a mouthful, Uh, It is a two-camera system that is a a really nice upgrade for your home security. If you haven't got anything at all, it's a good start because there are two cameras on board. There's also a hub, and everything you need is there, cables, all your chargers, everything you need is in the box. So really easy to set up. What you do is connect the hub, which is the, the device that connects to your modem, uh, connect that into your home, it'll tap into your home's network and once that's established, you download the My D-Link app and then the the setup is a really easy step-by-step process which the app then really, it steps you through it really easily and the beauty of this system, what makes it a lot easier is the fact that there are little QR codes on the back of, of the hub, on the back of each of the cameras so when it comes time to connect the cameras and to recognize the device all you've got to do is aim the app at that QR code and it'll recognise what that product is. It'll tell it, this is the hub, here's one of the cameras, here's the, here's the other camera, and then you're ready to go. So the next step, once you've scanned the QR codes, it'll recognise that there's a hub that's connected to your network. Uh, it'll also recognise that there are two cameras as well on board and then all you need to do from there is to click on the sync button on each of the cameras so that they are synced back to the hub and also recognize in the app so that you can then view them remotely or live or watch a recording. And then all you need to do then is name the camera. So name the camera. Uh, best, best practice there would be to name the camera based on where it's located. So for example, one camera might be front door. The other camera might be backyard. So you can tell just by the name where it is and what you're looking at. Really simple to do. Now, setup was simple. Uh, The first camera connected easily. The second camera took a few attempts uh, and eventually was working. So it took about probably four or five attempts and then both cameras were were on the app and we were able to view live, full high definition, by the way, on the device. So when you see the view through your camera, if you turn the the phone on its side, you'll see it extend full screen so you can have an even better view. You can even pinch to zoom to sort of zoom in on various parts of the image. and those those videos can be stored either locally on a micro SD card. You can attach a USB drive to the hub, so if you want to store them for whatever movement it records, uh, you can do that as well. Or you can uh, have an account on the My D Link cloud which means that they're they're going to be stored for more than 30 days up in the cloud as well. Now, this system also supports Alexa and also supports Google Assistant. So they can be part of your smart home automation. If you've already got a smart speaker set up, this could also form part of that. Uh, There's also a D-Link skill so if you've got Alexa with a with a display and Amazon with a display, you can see the live feeds from the cameras on the screen uh, just by asking for it. So that's a, that's another pretty cool inclusion there as well. Uh, one issue I had, I think the, the hardware is really good. The hub and the cameras, great quality cameras. Hub is really easy to connect and, and works well. But I think the hardware is really let down by the app. I was a little bit disappointed with how that worked. It wasn't very responsive. Uh, I was having an issue with with going back in the app, the arrow in the top left corner, the back arrow, just no matter how many times I hit it, it just wouldn't work, and, and it would take, I'm talking, 10 or 20 attempts to get back to the previous screen. It was the same deal for the settings button, the settings icon, which was a little cog in the top right-hand corner. There's pictures of these on Tech Guide as well, by the way, on my review, uh, and that just, no matter how many times I tapped it, I couldn't get it. I just had to keep trying it, maybe try slightly to the left, slightly to the right, and eventually it would work. Very frustrating. The other issue I had, and I was using the app on an iPhone, uh, often, rather than me going Going through pages and pages of looking for the app i just press i swipe down on the home screen and search for the my dealing app and because i used it a few minutes earlier just a swipe down and the app is actually there so when i go through the app that way What's left in the top left-hand corner is the little search command and an arrow back to go back to that screen. It's like when you go say you've gone from Facebook to or email and there's a link to in an email that takes you to your browser or, or Safari. On Safari, there'll be a, a little back arrow with a with a way to get back to mail. In the same way this is a way back to search and the the back arrow on the app actually overlaps the word search. You'll see that on my story. So imagine my frustration, I'm tapping on the back button to go back to the menu to look at the other camera and I keep hitting the search feature to go back to that home screen. So I I really have to tap it underneath and around it it was so frustrating. D-Link have to do a, a an update to this app because it is really spoiling an otherwise really cool device that works very well. The cameras are great. Uh, the 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 quality is great. Uh, the, it's really easy to set up, but the app is a real letdown, I'm afraid. Uh, that that story. the the The, the omna Wire Free Indoor Outdoor Surveillance Kit. It it ain't cheap. It's seven hundred and ninety nine ninety nine. So let's call it eight hundred bucks. But it is going to give you an instant solution for your home so if you have no cameras at all you can suddenly have two cameras and a hub and be and and that's an expandable system you can add more cameras to that as well if you wish but the app please they need to fix that and in a hurry you want to read more about that story you can check it out at techguide.com.au this is tech guide with stephen fennec the place to stay updated and educated Alrighty, next up, we're talking about the Rode PodMic. Uh, in fact, you are listening to it right now. I am, uh, you've been for the whole show, I've been using the Rode PodMic, which is, it's only a, a $148 microphone, and I don't know about you, it sounds pretty good. What do you think? You're here listening to it. It sounds pretty cool. I normally use a Rode Procaster, uh, a, a more expensive and and slightly better microphone. But this is, this is a great microphone for anyone who's thinking of getting into podcasting who maybe need a new microphone. Uh, it is, it's hard enough trying to find the right microphone when, when you've got to explain to the... I remember years ago when I was first starting this podcast uh, you know, nearly eight years ago where I was saying, look, I want to do a podcast. It's mainly spoken word and, and I had to really explain what I wanted to do to be paired with the right microphone. Well, now... All you, you look at the name PodMic by Rode Microphones, which is an Aussie company. So you, you're supporting an Aussie company here. But I don't know what you think, but this is a, a pretty good sounding mic. It's got really solid construction and priced at only one hundred and forty-eight bucks. I think you're getting some great value there. Uh, it is pretty small, so you can. It's small enough to take anywhere. But a warning: it's pretty heavy. It's nearly a kilo. This thing weighs nine hundred and thirty-seven grams. So while it's small. It ain't that light. It is pretty heavy, and of course, plugs into any XLR interface, like a mixer, or uh, of course, I'm using it with the Rode Procaster, the the Procaster Pro, the Rodecaster Pro, I should say, which is the the console, the panel, the the mixing panel, and it detected the microphone i went into the the road uh, operating system the os there the menu system and i clicked on microphone and highlighted was road pod mic it knew the pod, a pod mic was connected to the uh, the Rodecaster Pro and it automatically applied the right settings for the optimal result. So no matter what type of voice you got, this thing has got your back. So you're using a Rode mic with the with the Rodecaster Pro and boom, you're getting a great result. So no need if you're just starting out on, in podcasting, no need to stuff around with settings and worry that it's not going to sound very good. And this thing does it all for you, so you can focus on what you have to say. You don't have to worry about the, the technical side of things. You just get on with the show. Get on with creating your great content. Uh, really, and, and another really cool thing about it is there is a built-in uh, there is built in pop shield. So uh, anywhere, anyone who's seen on TV or been in a radio station, all the microphones have this little foam sock on the end of them. That's called a pop shield, or, or they call it, I think, even a windshield, or various names for it. And... With the road, the, the pod mic, you don't need that because it's built in behind the grill of the microphone. So any of the, if you're popping your peas, you'll you'll hear that that sounded pretty good. Uh, not not no need to have an extra foam windsock on this thing, uh, a pop shield on it. Uh, the there is one already built in. So again, another thing you don't have to worry about. Now the, the the mic itself has a little swing arm so that it can be connected to a, a desktop stand or a swivel arm. I've got it connected to a swivel arm right now, uh, and, and it's it, it's working fantastic. Connected to the the uh, the Procaster, the Roadcaster Pro, and it's doing a great job there as well. And it's really cheap, one hundred and forty-eight bucks. I think that's a great investment. And again everything is is done right, sounds right if you're using it with the with the uh, the roadcaster pro as well uh, it just adds this whole plug and play solution where you don't need to be an audio engineer to get started. just get the road pod mic, and you're good to go at only one hundred and forty eight bucks. It is really cool and will suit your needs if you are an aspiring podcaster. So you can hear this whole time, this whole podcast. Also, back I think episode three hundred and forty-five I recorded with that and have embedded that episode on my road, my road pod mic review on Tech Guide as well. But I thought, what better way to demonstrate a product than actually use it? as you hear me talking about it, which is what I'm doing right now. So I know it sounds great. I'm sure you know it sounds great as well. You're hearing it uh, and probably doesn't sound too much different to the more expensive Rode mic that I normally use. So a perfect choice if you're an aspiring podcaster or just want something new for your existing podcast, the Rode mic is highly recommended. It's only 148 bucks, And if you want to read all about that, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, I'm a massive reader. I know uh, being a, a tech person, uh, I still like books though. Funny enough, I, I still like physical books, holding a real book, smelling a real book. Um, uh, I just I'm old school that way, but I still love though carrying around a Kindle, and one example I'll give you is that I I was traveling recently, I was over in Paris with my wife, and I was over there for the Huawei launch, and I had my wife with me, and I was in the middle of reading a massive book, it's uh, the Ken Follett book, World Without End, which is the sequel to the equally excellent The Pillars of the Earth. Now, this is a 1,200-page book, and if you're like me... That's not the only book I read. I probably read – I've got three books on the go at a time. I've probably got a novel. I've got like a help, a self-help book or something going on uh, as well as a non-fiction book. I try to sort of keep them all and, and equally read each each of them at a time. But if you're travelling – Taking three books is a bit extreme, or even if you, you maybe finish, you might you might be a quick reader, you might finish a book after a couple of days and then want another book, rather than you thinking, okay, I'm away for two weeks, I'll take three novels with me just in case, having a Kindle uh, solves all those problems because you can just buy the uh, the ebook and have them all on the memory. With a four gigabyte memory, this new Kindle that I'm about to talk about can have your almost your entire library on board. Now, this is the new entry-level Kindle, I should say, $139.00 device. Entry-level Kindle that has inherited a lot of the features that we introduce on the more expensive models, including an adjustable front light, $139. bucks. 1st thing you notice, it's got a six-inch screen, glare-free display. It's got 167 ppi, which is pixels per inch, so the text looks fantastic, like you're reading printed words on a page. So if you're reading in bright sunlight or in bed at night, you, it's as easy, easy to read in either situation uh, the The light is adjustable and also ha- it's it's sensitive to light too so it sort of turns down if there's heaps of light on the screen uh, and really easy way to read and and the beauty of having a Kindle is that you can adjust the font size the font style so say for example you 've gone out you, you, you want to read your book and you've forgotten your glasses. What you can do is pump up the font size, or change the font that makes it easier to read, or maybe increase the brightness a little bit on the screen. And the beauty of that, the screen light, is that the light shines inwards. It's not like a backlit device like a phone or a, or a tablet, which if if I was to if I was laying in bed and I turned on my iPad uh, in the dark at night next to my wife, it would light the whole room up and potentially keep her awake. Or could be, do the same for your partner, keep your partner awake if you want to read in bed. So with the Kindle, because the light shines into the device rather than out of the device, it, it, it doesn't spread that light so that the person next to you won't even know that there will be no difference to the light where they're laying. So uh, really cool that that does that. No backlight, spewing light into the room and lighting up the whole room. It all stays on the screen. Now, one thing I didn't like about this is was the sensitivity of the touchscreen. Uh, the, the worst... It was the worst when we're not reading a book. So just navigating the library, the menu... Uh, the settings, all those things, it was a little clunky. So often we scrolled past where we wanted to go, and it was a little bit frustrating. But in the, when you're reading a book, it's quite simple. If you want to just turn a page, it's simple. I think t- tap the right to go to the next page, tap the left to come back, or swipe either direction, and it, it'll it'll. It's very. It was really responsive like that. It was just a little clunky in the menu system, and uh, I think. That, that was a, a little downer there otherwise really cool it's had a bit of a redesign it looks really nice got these nice rounded edges very comfortable to hold in one hand it's it's small enough to grip in your hand very light as well and it's only 174 grams so not going to weigh you down too much and it's very thin it's just 8.7 millimeters so zero effort to hold it for hours at a time so it's not like your arm's going to get tired holding this heavy device it is actually quite light other features so you can highlight passages if you're you a highlighter. I know there's people who like to read books and highlight things and underline things Uh, I don't do that but if you are one of those people you can highlight passages on the book you can even look up words on the spot if there's a word you come across and think what the hell does discombobulate mean and you can press and hold it and then you can seek the dictionary definition right there on the spot you can even translate words as well Uh, and as I mentioned if you forget your glasses you can pump up that font size as well so it is easy on the eyes as well Uh, and the, the adjustable Light is also the, the key feature there, along with the 4 gig of internal storage, so plenty of space to carry around hundreds of books. Now, this has got Wi-Fi on board, so not only is it your book, it's also the bookstore, so you can connect to the Kindle store. So if your friend said, "Oh, geez, you got to you got to read, you got to read the latest uh, Ian Rankin book or the latest Jeffrey Archer book," and you can on the spot uh, look up that book and download it within a few seconds. Uh, so it is your book and also your bookstore when you're in Wi-Fi. Of course, there's only Wi-Fi, not 4G, 3G. It's Wi-Fi, so very easy to connect to the Kindle store to make your next purchase if you want to. So that's the the Kindle entry level Kindle one hundred and thirty nine bucks if you're an avid reader, I think you really need a kindle it It does encourage you uh to read it is uh look it is the entry-level device, so don't think that it's waterproof. It won't, it's not waterproof. There are models that are waterproof, but they cost twice as much. But this is a great starting point if you're buying your first Kindle, a great starting point. And the good thing, too, is that you have got uh, you can synchronise your library across your other devices as well. So say you may have a Kindle app on your phone, uh, maybe on your tablet. If you're reading a book from your Kindle library, when you pick up the Kindle or any other device, it remembers where you're up to uh and, and syncs it across the... So if, it, if you were, say, reading... If I was reading my Ken Follet book on my Kindle and then I decide to pick it up on my Kindle app on my iPad, it'll say, you are reading up to page 674 on this device. Uh, do you want to go there now? And you can say, of course I do. And that's going to bring you right up to where you were on the other books. So no need to be flicking through the pages and see where you're up to and try to find it. So if you're an e reader, a Kindle is a must, I think, and this entry-level product is pretty good. 139 bucks. If you want to read more about that story, you should check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fanick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can protect you and your family online. We live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cybercriminal sights. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online, no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying your bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet, or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity, and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Before we jump into the help desk, I thought I should mention a pretty big story last week. I know it's nearly a week ago now, so reason why it wasn't one of the biggest stories in the start of the podcast, but the issue with Game of Thrones, a uh, lot of complaints from from viewers saying that the, the episode was unwatchable. They said it was very dark. Uh, I've written a story about that, also highlighted some of the complaints and some experts that have weighed in that have commented on the issue and had their opinion, but... What we think it is, is, uh, and, and Foxtel, Australians weren't the only viewers who were commenting about how dark the scenes were. This was kind of a worldwide complaint. Uh, Foxtel had a statement to say that they, had, they did nothing different with this episode as they have with other episodes of Game of Thrones over the past eight seasons. So they received it, how it was provided to them by HBO. What we thinks happened here is that the compression and that combined with the fact that the it was a very dark episode and, and dark I mean lack of light there was a lot of grays and blacks and a lot of movement that compression resulted in very difficult viewing in terms of it, it had all of this uh, the, these artifacts on the screen and and all, all this all this uh, mis- the, there was not enough information to provide a clear image and throw in the movement and not not only was there darkness there was fog and cloud so it really made for difficult viewing and when there's a lack of information in other words a lack of colors it really struggled and no matter what TV you were watching uh, I had uh, people were complaining they were watching it on an LG OLED TV which can should handle black really easily even they said it was unwatchable so that's kind of what we think happened there a combination of factors the compression the fact it was shot in mainly in the dark it was called the long night so it was a, a mostly shot or an entirely shot at night that was a, a bit of a, a unfortunate combination but moving on we've got a couple of voice bites the first one is from les yeah i just need some information about a car tracker of some description so if my car was stolen i'd like to be able to track it in close to real time if you could help me with that that would be great this is a great question and one I've been asked several times. I think that there are a number of devices available and mainly available for fleets of cars. Naturally, if you uh, maybe have a fleet of trucks or cars and you want to see where they all are, that is the best customer for this type of product. But that's not to say that they can't be used for individuals and their cars as well. Now there is a, a range of brands: Tramigo, IntelliTrack, TomTom, uh, Easy to See, TrackPod plenty of them around. Uh, So to answer Les's question, there is no shortage of systems to buy. Now, there are uh, some subtle differences about the systems. Uh, If you Obviously, if you're a fleet manager, then you're probably looking at needing a monthly account to maintain all of the trackers. If you just want to buy a a single tracker to track one vehicle, uh, then that that probably should be a one-off payment with no monthly tracking. The device just needs to be charged. It'll probably have a little SIM card on board so you can track it really easily so plenty of choices there les uh, telemax fleet minder track my ride uh Mo, i think i've written about in the past R- plenty of options there but definitely it is uh, it is easy to do that whether you're a fleet owner or just an individual who wants to keep track of their vehicle so uh les uh, i've also emailed you les as well as answering your question on the tech guide podcast but now let's hear from charlie hi stephen um I want to know what the router would be uh, to enhance the capability of my current um, internet, which is very slow and some areas of the house doesn't pick up. Thank you. All right, Charlie, a great question. Again, a very common question that I get asked uh, on the Tech Guide podcast and on email. The common misconception by people is that if I've got a slow internet connection, that if I buy a new router or a new modem, it'll fix it. Unfortunately, that's not the case. A new modem or router or a modem router won't make the internet come into your house faster. But a good uh, mesh Wi-Fi system, a good router, will manage the data on your network a little better. So, by that I mean, if you are streaming, say, you're watching Netflix, and your 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 connection isn't the isn't the fastest there there are the mesh networks and and we're, our sponsors netgear obviously have the orbi system so these are intelligent enough to to be able to stream that data and, and and around your network without buffering so it it'll have enough in the background to give you an uninterrupted experience so how your data is handled within your home connecting to security cameras connecting to other smart devices connecting to other people in your house browsing the web that can be helped with a better uh, a better router but in terms of sheer speed of your network it's not going to make the data come into your house any faster that's something you need to take up with your internet service provider. So, but you can manage your your own network really well. So, if you are wanting to stream things and play games and things like that, again, it's not going to make it faster, but it may may make the data the handling of in, within your network all that much better. It will also maybe make it a wider network as well that at 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 each extreme of your network, at the edges of your network will still work just as well as if you were standing next to the router. But again, Unfortunately, a new router won't make the internet connection faster, won't make it come into your home faster. You've got to talk to your internet service provider about that. You're listening to Tech Guide. that there is the end of our show for this week we hope you enjoyed it everything that we've spoken about if you want to go back and refer to it is of course at our website techguide.com.au uh, and if you want to get in touch as two, uh, two of our listeners did please use VoiceBite. you can click on the record button in the middle of the tech guide site or down on the side if you're within a story you'll see my face and a record button hit both my face and the record button and you'll be able to record your question just like Charlie and Les did today, and your voice will also appear on the Tech Guide podcast right before mine. Uh, if you want to send us an email, we accept those as well, info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you give us a review too, uh, give us a ranking, uh, a review on iTunes, give us a, a nice little review there. That'll help more people discover the show uh, as uh, as you have already. We'd love you to hear from you to tell us how much you enjoy the show as well thanks for listening we look forward to you joining us again next week so until then stay safe and stay connected